share with us. So we'll pass it over to you, Kevin. For the ministry of our church, we have a lot of big things happening right now as a church that you might not be aware of. We're going through a staffing restructuring. We're dealing with kind of some major financial decisions that we need to make. There's a lot of things happening, and we don't want to just make decisions as leaders. We want to kind of be making God's decisions and get a sense of what God is doing here in our church family. So if you want to stick around after the service, there's going to be a light refreshment. It's not a lunch. Don't come here expecting like a big buffet, okay, but we will make sure that you get some nourishment so that you can go around the building and pray for a little bit with us after the service today. So please stick around for that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so as we've been saying for the last couple of weeks, today we are starting a brand new sermon series called The Way. And the goal of this sermon series that we're doing is um, to help us find our way. <laughs> and the goal is to help us not just find the way the world tells us to live, but to really look at how Jesus calls us to live as his followers in a messy, complicated culture that we find ourselves living in in today's day and age. And so, again, we really want to help you in, get deeper into this topic. This isn't just a sermon to punch out on a Sunday. You come and see me at the door afterward. Oh, that was a really nice sermon, Pastor. And then you just go on with your life, and it doesn't change you in any way whatsoever. That's not my desire to get pats on the back on a Sunday morning, even though they are nice. I appreciate them. But it's about seeing you deepen your faith in Jesus so that Jesus does abundantly more in and through you than you could even ever imagine. <laughs> That's the goal. So we want you to kind of lean into this series. A number of life groups are going to be going through uh, the topics that we cover on Sunday morning. So, when, you know, so you'll get deeper into these topics. We also have a number of resources that are available to help you go through this, not just weekly, but daily. So we've prepared this daily devotional guide for you. Um, you can either go to it online. So if you go to theway.app, so theway.app, you can sign up and you could have this just digitally if that's easier for you. If you're kind of like to kick it old school and you really like the paper version, we do have some available at the welcome desk in the cafe. We do ask if you could help us out to offset the cost to make a donation of $25 to cover this because holy smokes, paper is expensive nowadays. <laughs> so we really want to be good stewards of that. So if you need the paper copy, that is available for you. Encourage you to grab that back there as we start this. Um, and again, the hope for the next few months as we do this series leading up right to Christmas Eve is to help each and every one of us get deeply grounded in our faith. To get deeply grounded, not just in our head knowledge of the Lord, but experiencing the love and the peace and the joy and the goodness of God each and every day, regardless of what we're going through in life. Because isn't that really the point of church? Like when we come together in this type of setting on a Sunday morning, whether it's here in person or whether it's on church online, we come together in this way, hopefully, to feel a touch of the divine, to, to feel a touch of God's presence. Right? So often in our busy culture that we live in, we go through the week 
just getting walloped and walloped and walloped and walloped, whether that's at school and responsibilities at school, whether that's at our work, whether that's dealing with little kids at home, whether that's dealing with unruly teenagers, like whatever's going on in your life, it can feel like we're just constantly getting slammed. And then we drag our butts to church on Sunday, desperate to be refilled. so that I can step back out into the world and get the snot kicked out of me again every single day. That's actually not the point of church. Like if you see church Sunday morning as your refueling station, then there's something for you in this series. Because you can meet with your Heavenly Father at any moment of any day. You can feel a touch of God on your life daily, hourly, every minute of every day. But the problem is, is you and I, we forget that in our own flesh, in our own planning, in our own (laughs) plans for our life. We can forget that we follow a God who actually has desires for us. And one of his deepest desires is to meet with us in a significant way. So that's the goal of this series. That's why we're going to spend several months looking at the way to help guide us. We want to follow not our pathway of life, not culture's pathway of life, but we want to follow Jesus's pathway to life so that we can experience what he actually promises. Jesus promises to bring joy to our lives. How many of you experience joy 24-7? Right? Life can be complicated. Life can be hard. Right? But he promises this. Jesus promises life abundantly. Like just this abundant life for us. And so we have to look at what does Jesus say for us, to us, in this life, in this pathway that he calls us to. Again, because we do need to be honest and transparent, and that's why I love the fact that we do this together in the context of life groups. I don't expect you to be open and transparent with 150 people here in this room. We're not going to pass the microphone around on Sunday and do confess your sin to one another, confess your shortcomings to one another, confess your pride, your lust, your greed, all the things that keep you separated from Jesus. But we do need those close, intimate friendships, those safe spaces to do that. Because this is the life that Jesus calls us to. Because, again, if we're really honest with each other, we always don't feel like we're living the abundant life. We don't always feel like God is close. It's easy for us, and I think especially today, to be skeptical, disillusioned. It creeps in without us even realizing it. And so that's where I want us to start today as we kick this series off. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 15. And so if you have a Bible with you, I would encourage you to follow along. If you want to use the YouVersion Bible app, you can check that out as well. If you need access to the Wi-Fi, there is a public Wi-Fi here. The password is Greenbelt with a capital G, so you can sign on to that and uh, follow along that way. 
And if you're joining us today and you do not own a Bible, I would love to give you one as a gift today. We have free Bibles in the back of the room there, or there's some in the chairs in front of you. Just grab it, write your name in it. No one from security will stop you when you leave with it. Uh, We're big believers that every family should own a Bible, so please take one of those. So I want to set this series up looking at John chapter 15 to help us see this life that Jesus calls us to as his followers. And, and maybe you're here today or maybe you're joining us online and you would say, well, I'm actually not a follower of Jesus. I'm just kind of here with a family member. I'm just kind of checking things out. That's great. I'm so glad that you're here. For you specifically, what I hope you hear today is maybe a different version of Jesus than what culture tells you or a different version of the church than what culture tells you what the church is really about. And I hope you'd be receptive to just hearing that. So let me start here. John chapter 15, I'm going to read from verses 1 to 17. So these are the words of Jesus speaking to his followers, his closest disciples. And he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, So I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. And this is my command love each other. Let me just pray again as we unpack this text together today. Father God, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this text and this call that Jesus has on the life of disciples. Lord, I pray that you would use this to build us up as the church. I pray that you would use this text today to even speak to those who would say they don't follow you, to have a better understanding of you. And Lord, I pray that today you would be glorified as we unpack this text together today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
if, if you're a Bible nerd like I am, um, you'll, you'll know that in John's gospel, uh, seven different times, Jesus uses the little phrase, I am. And he uses it to kind of describe like some stories, some metaphors to describe who he is as the son of God. He's trying to help his followers get a full grasp of who God is. You see, because so often people view God as very distant, right? Like God is in this holy of holies place. Like God is not approachable. God is very far away. God is really only for the super religious types, like the Levites and the priests. And for the common person, God is distant, And so Jesus actually is re-educating the people of Israel on who God actually is. And he does this with seven different metaphors of these I am statements, right, to help define Jesus' identity as God. In chapter 6, he describes himself as the bread of life. I am the bread of life. In chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. In chapter 10, he says, I am the door. Again, in chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. Chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In chapter 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then here in chapter 15, he describes himself as, I am the true vine. Now, this vine metaphor that Jesus is talking about, he's talking about grape vines. (laughs) Any of you ever done grape farming before? Nice. One hand. Praise God. So everything that I'm saying, you can go check over there to see if it's right. Okay. Because I've never done it. I'm actually thinking about doing it. Because I've been doing some yard work recently and I cut down this old hideous hedge. And then so I've been doing all this Google research about grapevines. I, I, I said this a few weeks ago. I love Google. Because like, there's no excuse for you not knowing how to do something nowadays. It really isn't. Just Google it and learn how to do it. The trick is just having the guts to actually take the chainsaw to something when Google tells you to do it. That part's a little scary. But I've been doing all this research about grapevines, right? Now, when Jesus is talking about this idea of vines and grapevines into a Jewish context 2,000 years ago, everyone understands what he's talking about. Not just as farmers, Not just as people who understand the pruning and the fruit that comes from grapevines. They also understand it because all throughout the Old Testament, the the, the idea of a vineyard and vines is used to describe the people of Israel. Again and again and again, we see this idea that Israel is the vine. Multiple vines doing God's will to be a blessing to all the nations. And suddenly Jesus takes this teaching of God about the place of people of Israel. And then he says, actually, I'm the vine. I'm the vine. You, people of Israel, Gentiles, people far from God, people who are coming to know God, you're a branch. There's a little bit of humility that has to come in this. Imagine you're a good Jewish person in ancient Israel, and your whole life you're like, man, I'm a vine. 
I'm amazing. Everything depends on me. Everything depends on how smart I am, how educated I am, how well I know the Torah, how well I keep all 613 commandments, and then God's blessing is going to flow from me. That's not just an ancient Israel problem. That can be a 2023 evangelical Canadian church problem where we think it all depends on me, how great I am, how educated I am, how smart I am, how dedicated I am to the ministry. All right? We got to be mindful of that. Jesus flips it. And he goes, no, I'm the vine. I'm the vine. Everything flows from me, right? This is the same idea of when John talks about that everything is created by Christ, through Christ, and for Christ. And that's, again, it's humbling to think that way. That apart from the true vine, Jesus says, I can do nothing, there's a, there's a head shift at play. So I, I, there's so many passages of the Bible that I wish I was in the room to see how the reaction of this is. And I think this is one of those places where the disciples' jaws hit the ground. When they had to kind of put things into perspective about who God really is and what their place is in God's plan is. right? And so Jesus here, he's showing this huge importance of him being the source of everything, right? And then he uses this word, this little phrase here when talking about being the true vine. Then he says these words. He says, remain in me. Remain in me. That's what the, how the NIV, the New International Version, puts it. Other versions, like the English Standard Version, they say, abide in me. Now, remain, abide, um, they both come, the English words both come from the Greek word, which is the Greek word lima, L-E-M-M-A, lima. And it's to continue a certain state, a condition, or activity. So Jesus says that you need to abide, you need to remain in me. This continued state, this continued permanent condition, this permanent activity of remaining in Jesus. It's not a Sunday thing. It's not a Wednesday night at Fusion thing. It's not a Tuesday night life group thing. It's a constant, constant, everyday remaining, remaining in Jesus thing. But we have a lot of things pulling us in a million different directions. I don't know about your life, but my life is busy. And I don't even have little kids anymore. I should have all the time in the world. But yet, the calendar fills up, and the email list gets out of control, and the text messages get ignored. I'm sorry for ignoring your texts. It's just the wolf. There's so many things that go on in this world. But Jesus' call is to remain, to abide in him. And so the big idea that I want us to unpack together is this, and I encourage you to write this down so you can talk about it in your life group this week, is our relationship with Jesus is apparent by bearing much fruit. Your relationship, my relationship with Jesus 
is apparent by bearing much fruit. You see, that's what Jesus is talking about here in this chapter, chapter 15 of John's gospel, right? Jesus's desire is that his followers would produce fruit, right? And in order that our lives would produce fruit, right at the very beginning, Jesus says that Jesus is the vine. The son of God is the vine. He's the source of all things, everything created by him, through him and for him. He's the source. But then God the Father is the gardener. And he's got these big giant scissors. And he's going around pruning us. I I was going to bring scissors, but like I used to have like this big old rusty pair of like hedge clippers. But they like rusted solid because I left them outside one winter. Don't judge me for that. But um, they had to get thrown away. But that's God's place here. That he cuts off branches that bear no fruit. And the branches that are bearing fruit, going, great, look at the fruit I'm bearing. I can just step back, continue my little life, my little ministry, and everything's simple and good and comfortable. And then God shows up with these clippers and says, hey, good job, faithful servant. Clip, 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 because I trust you to do more. (laughs) And again, that same principle we see all throughout the teachings of your Bible, that those who are faithful with a little, what does God do with those men, women, boys, and girls? Give them a vacation. Let them just sit on their butts and not do anything anymore. No, he blesses them with more and more and more fruit, right? And so this is kind of what's happening here. And so pruning, like we have to kind of, figure out like what does god's pruning actually mean right there's different debates theologically on what pruning is and and i don't want to get into the argument of it Uh, it can mean a couple of things it can mean like pruning can refer to hardship right because we see in the bible that hardship produces faithfulness hardship it creates a closer relationship with god right and, you know, and Jesus is kind of warning the disciples that hardship is coming. <laughs> Jesus is basically telling them in this chapter that I'm going to suffer. And because you're one of my followers, hey, welcome to the club. You're going to suffer too. <laughs> right? So there's this hardship that God uses to strengthen faith and to draw people into a closer relationship with God. Right? James, Jesus' brother, leader of the New Jerusalem Church, uh, the Jerusalem Church, talks about this in James chapter 1, verses one, uh, 2 to 4, where it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind. That's a fun posture, isn't it? <laughs> when life is hard and you're getting walloped and walloped and walloped, by assignments at school, your boss at work, responsibilities and demands and bills and all of these things, health issues, financial issues, struggles of every kind. When you're facing these trials, consider it pure joy. <laughs> because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So that's some of the pruning that God does is in the trials and in difficulties. 
But Jesus could also be referring right to the pruning of these dead branches, these things in our lives that are undesirable. The sin in my life, the sin in your life that keeps us far from God. You see, this is why I say this unapologetically all the time. Um, I don't care how long you've been walking with Jesus. If you ain't dead, you ain't done. God is still doing a work in you. You haven't arrived. You're not completely holy. You're not perfect. None of us will be on this side of heaven. But there's a work that God still does in all of us. The idea that Christianity is something that we kind of eventually attain and we've arrived and I don't have to worry about growing spiritually anymore is not a biblical teaching. It's a Western, comfortable, consumeristic teaching that I just get what I want to get. And if you push me a little bit too hard, Pastor, in your sermon, I'll go find the church that doesn't push me because <laughs> I kind of like to be comfortable. If you've been, you're new to Greenbelt and you're evaluating me right now, come back again next Sunday. <laughs> okay, I will push you because my deepest desire is that you will bear much fruit. <laughs> Okay? And so we need to be honest with each other that Jesus wants to remove undesirable things from our lives. Jesus wants to remove sin from our lives that prevent us from bearing fruit. And so why should we want to be engaged in this? This is kind of the big question we have to answer because we're going to be talking about this topic of abiding in Christ for September, October, November, December. Four months. Oh, my goodness. Four months. I didn't realize it was that long. It's a long sermon series. It's going to end on Christmas Eve with a party, okay, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, okay? But why? Why would you want to bear much fruit? I want you to actually answer that question this week. Do I want to bear much fruit? Or am I fine with a Christianity that barely produces fruit, that just kind of gets by, and it just meets my needs. <laughs> I want you to answer that question. And so in order to be able to answer that question, we've got to look at three different things. I mean, the first thing that we've got to do is we've got to actually answer the question, well, what is fruit? <laughs> if I'm supposed to bear much fruit, it'd be nice to know what I'm supposed to be producing, <laughs> right? And kind of have an agreement on that. So we've got to look at what is fruit. we also got to talk about life, <laughs> the kind of life that Jesus is actually calling us to. Is that actually the life I want? And then we actually have to talk about love. The kind of love that Jesus promises when we abide and remain in him. So those are the three things that I want us to do for the remainder of our time together. Again, write these things down because you're going to be talking about this at length in your life group this week. And I really want you to lean in and grow this way, uh, grow throughout this sermon series. So the first thing that we got to talk about is uh, true vine, uh, true fruit in the vine. Right? Jesus says in this passage that the way of Jesus leads to fruit. Remaining in Jesus is a life of being more and more and more fruitful. Right? <laughs> and according to verse 5, if we look at verse 5 here again, he goes, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. If you have a paper Bible, circle the word much. It's not a little, it's not 
some. It's not barely any. It's not, I had some fruit 35 years ago, but I don't have any more fruit today. It's much, much fruit. And why does Jesus want our lives to bear much fruit? It's because God receives glory by the lives of his children that bear much fruit. But this is to the Father's glory, right? And the challenge, again, for us is figuring out what is fruit. You know, so often in Christian circles, we can think fruit is just be a good person. Good, do good deeds, right? Be a good girl. Be a good boy. Be a good man. Be a good woman. Just do good, be nice, be like Mr. Rogers and put on your cardigan and your slippers and sing some songs and play with puppets and just kind of just be nice, right? It's just living out these good deeds. And the reason why we can lean towards thinking fruit is simply good deeds is because Jesus did actually teach that our good deeds will bring glory to God. You can actually find that in Matthew chapter 5. Where Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So how you're living your life and how non-church people are seeing how you live your life, doing these good deeds, letting your light shine, it brings glory to God. right? But we get the hint here in John chapter 15 that the fruit is not simply good deeds. And we get the hint of this from verse 16, where it says here in verse 16 that you're going to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. It's not temporary fruit. It's fruit that will last. And again, the the NIV calls it fruit that will last. The ESV says fruit that abides. Jesus says, abide in me, and I will abide in you. And we saw the definition for abide. It's that Greek word lima, a continued certain state, a condition, activity, this permanent thing. It's the same Greek word talking about the fruit, that the fruit abides. There's a permanency to the fruit. It's eternal. It lasts forever. The fruit that you and I are supposed to produce is fruit that is eternal. Not just a temporary good deed. Not just a temporary one-off. Not just, oh, I put a little check in an offering basket or I gave to a nonprofit or I volunteered one day at a certain charity, charity event. And those are all great things that build up our heart to help people glorify God, good things. But Jesus, I think, is talking about something much deeper here, right? And we see again and again and again, when Jesus talks about fruit, when he talks about abiding, so talks about harvesting, talking about a harvest or talking about harvesting fruit, it's always in the context of people coming into the kingdom of God. Whenever Jesus talks about the harvest, whenever Jesus talks about harvesting fruit, 
He's talking about harvesting people into the kingdom of God. An example of that is in John's gospel, John chapter 4, verse 36. It says, even now the one who reaps will draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. This is the idea that the work that the disciples are doing, one person preaches, one person volunteers in kids ministry, one person gives money, one person cleans the building, vacuums the floors, all of these things. We all do this work together, reaping and sowing, and then we party. It says, be glad. I'm just reading into it. That means party. (laughs) That's what the Greek means. We're going to be glad together because we've produced a crop, not of entertaining Christians and just doing things that we like, but we're producing a crop of eternal life, of more and more and more people coming into the kingdom of God. You are here, if you're a follower of Jesus, because somebody else did this. You are the fruit of somebody else. And Jesus calls us as men, women, boys and girls to look at that kind of fruit. So when we're asking ourselves, well, why do I want to abide? Why do I want to remain in Jesus? Hopefully it's because you want people to know Jesus. Whether you've got family members, whether you've got friends at work, colleagues at work, people on your hockey team, people in your Star Wars club, I don't care where you go. But you have people who don't know Jesus, who don't know the love of Jesus, and maybe they believe kind of bad things about the church because they're, in their experience, their experience has been bad things. But we, want, we should be desperate to produce fruit, eternal fruit of seeing people coming to know Jesus. That should excite us as a church. That's why... Jesus calls us to a life that bears much fruit. He doesn't want you to just replace yourself. This is an exponential growth. Jesus started with 12, and then we saw billions. And he's not done reaching people in this city, in this nation, around the world. We all are playing a role in bearing much fruit, eternal fruit that will last forever. So that, I believe, is when Jesus talks about fruit, that's what he's talking about. The second thing is when we talk about life, right, that true life is in the vine. And as I said earlier, and and you know this from your own life, you know this from your own experience, there are so many things to keep us busy. There are so many things that we can be doing to just waste time, and I'm guilty of it. I get up, I, I wake up at 5.30 every day. I don't know why. It was God's gift to me when I turned 50. It was like, yeah, you're going to get up at 5.30 every day, and sometimes it's even earlier than that. I'm like, why? I don't have kids to get off to school anymore. I got, like, all this time. No, you're going to get up. And a part of me goes, it's because I'm going to, like, study my Bible, and I'm going to, like, meet with God, and I'm going to journal, and I'm going to do all these things. And I do do that when I discipline myself and I remember about the life that God calls me to. And when I forget the life that God calls me to, I doom scroll. And I don't even read what I'm looking at on my phone. And then suddenly it's 730. I'm like, what? Throw that stupid thing away. What am I doing? <laughs> right? There's a lot of things that we can give our lives to. And Jesus is asking you, 
as the church to give your life to eternal things. Not just good things. There's a lot of good things that you can dedicate your time to, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you shouldn't sacrifice good things for eternal things. (laughs) Be engaged with eternal things, things that abide, remain for eternity, right? And that's why as branches, we're not divine. It doesn't all depend on us. We're the branch where it all depends on Jesus living in and through us, that we meet with him, we listen to him, we're guided by him so that we can be engaged as boys and girls, men and women, that we're engaged in the things that are eternal, right? Like, if again, if you look closely at verse 5, right, when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Then he says these words. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. How many of you, when in your busy week, you feel like you're doing nothing? Now, if you have that kind of a job, okay, I get it. Because there are some weeks where I'm like, what did I do this week? I've been very busy and I'm tired. What did I actually get done? Right? We can be so busy. Jesus calls non-eternal work <laughs> nothing. I just spent three days ripping up my front walkway for nothing. <laughs> According to Jesus, I just did weeks. Like I take my vacation and I do all this gardening for nothing. <laughs> now that could be awfully depressing. And my goal is not to depress us. <laughs> okay. But it's to see there's a contrast between the things that we do that are good. It's good to fix up your house. It's good to work on your garden. All of these things are good. But we've got to remember that there's eternal work that God calls us to, right? And so, you know, this idea of not accessing God that when we don't bear fruit, it's not the life that Jesus has for us, right? Jesus has for us an, a, a life. He has life-giving things that he wants to bring into our life. And these life-giving things require access to the source of life, which is the true vine, which is Jesus, Right? The Bible teaches us, again, when we look at this idea of, of true life, right? the Bible teaches us that when you and I were born, we were actually born spiritually dead because of sin. And I know that's a weird teaching, and if you're not familiar with this teaching, it can sound really wonky, and I get that, because you don't feel dead. It's like, no, I'm a good person. I'm doing good things. I'm living my life. Right? But the Bible says because of sin, because of the sin of Adam and Eve that's and then inherited to every human being that were born spiritually dead. When God told Adam and Eve, do not eat from this tree, do not eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you do, you will surely die. And then they ate it because they were deceived by our spiritual enemy. And they go, sweet, didn't die. <laughs> what happened was God suddenly became separate from them. And they were cast out of the garden, and they were cursed. They had to work and toil. <laughs> uh, kind of, as a guy who's kind of like new to gardening for the last few years, like Genesis chapter 3, 4, and 5, it's like, that's why I'm not getting any tomatoes this year. <laughs> or why I planted like all these cucumbers, and I got two cucumbers that big. The best $100 cucumber I ever had. It's like, come on, like it's hard. <laughs> right? We toil. 
and we sweat because there's this spiritual death. But Jesus came to bring life, spiritual life to those who are far from God. Right? Colossians 2 uh, verse 13 says, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, kind of talking about your position with God here, that you were dead in your sin. I was dead in my sin. Then he said he made you alive. He, Jesus, made you alive together with him, having forgiven all of our transgressions. See, and that's why we worship the way we worship. We don't worship as a funeral, even though it's sometimes good to just soak in the presence of God and be reminded of our sin. But we actually worship as celebration that I'm not dead. I'm alive. I didn't get the punishment that I deserve, but I received the presence and the fullness of God and access to the throne of heaven, not by anything I've done but simply by the work of Jesus on the cross. And so that is the true life that we're called to. Yeah, we all have a career that we're working on. We all have family stuff that we're dealing with. We all have responsibilities. And again, good things. But we have to learn to integrate those good things into eternal things so that we use these earthly good things in order to produce much fruit that will last eternally. So we got fruit, true fruit in the vine. We got true life in the vine. Hopefully I'm building a case here for why you want to abide in Jesus. <laughs> and then finally, very quickly, I want to talk about true love in the vine. Right, verses 9 to 12 shows us Jesus's love for his disciples. And this is actually a passage that when I, when I talk to people who don't believe in God or people who believe, sometimes I do, I, I shepherd and, and mentor Christians who think God hates them. Or they believe God's punishing them. I take them here as a reminder that God is not punishing you. Now, sometimes we do, and I do, stupid things. And sometimes there are consequences for my stupid things that I do. There are consequences, sure, but it's not God's hatred against me. It's not God's wrath against you. Because God's wrath against my sin, your sin, was put on Jesus. Every sin, every mess up, every shortcoming went on Jesus. He paid for it. So we do not believe in a God that's up. It's like I talked about last week. I believe in some Greek God on Mount Olympus throwing lightning bolts at us every time we mess up. That's not how this works. Right? Jesus says to his followers, you are not servants. You're my friend. That's why we sing these songs, right? I got a friend in Jesus. You know, we sing all those kind of songs, right? Because, you know, I remember once when I used to volunteer in kids' ministry way back in Montreal, we sing this, Jesus, you are my best friend. I'm not going to do that upstairs, Regina. I know you just got an idea. So anyways, okay. <laughs> but, you know, like, yeah, like Jesus calls us his friend. And then he says, I lay down my life for my friend. That's love. Right? And when you and I step into that kind of life, where we don't approach Christianity out of what I get from it. 
But we approach it where I look at my friends. (laughs) When I look at the people that I love here, how can I lay down my life for you, my friend? So I can see you blessed and I can see eternal things come out of your life. Right? This is what builds our love for one another. And again, it doesn't become one person trying to like pour out their life to 200 people. That's how you create burnout. But it's how we all model it and disciple people into showing this kind of love together. That's why Jesus ends, or John ends this, this section here with three little words, love each other. So why would I want a life of abiding in Jesus? As you wrestle with that question this week, I hope I've given you a little bit of a reasons why you would want to abide, that your life would bear much fruit eternal things that you would experience life in a way that you would never ever experience unless you were a part of what Jesus is doing and that you would truly experience true love and you would be an agent of true love to other people. That's why we're going to spend four months going, okay, because now you're all looking at me. Great. I'm in. What do I do? Come back next week and we'll start. I just built the case today of why you would even consider this. And maybe you're joining us online or maybe you're here in this room. And again, this idea of Jesus, this idea of the church is different than what you've heard before. This idea that God loves you and that he would die for you. And he's not expecting you to be some miserable servant but he's expecting you to be this joy-filled, loving friend because of what he's done. You can start that journey just by simply saying, Father, forgive me, a sinner. I know when I did that 20-odd years ago, I knew my sin. I knew what was going on in my heart. And we say, Father, forgive me, a sinner. Thank you that Jesus died for me. Come into my life. Make me new. And if you pray like that this morning, church online, a little pop-up shows up. Please click that because we would love to connect with you. If you do that here today, please come and tell me in the cafe afterwards. I would love to rejoice and celebrate with you. But that's the beginning of this abundant life, of this abiding life. That Jesus is not just this good idea, that he is the true vine, and we are his branches And Jesus wants to bear much fruit that will last. Let's pray. Father God, I praise you and thank you for this reminder today of Jesus as the source of life. That Jesus wants our church to be used for eternal purposes. That God has a plan for each and every one of us in this place that we would all be engaged in the work of bearing much fruit, fruit that will remain, fruit that will abide for all eternity. And so, Father God, forgive me when I have forgotten this call. (laughs) 
And Lord, I ask as we kick off this new ministry season that you would strengthen us, that you would grow us, that we would all become more and more like Jesus as we abide in the vine. Help us to bear true fruit. Help us to experience true life. And God, help us to experience true love and to give true love everywhere that we go. And Holy Spirit, as we continue to worship, speak to our hearts, to our minds, to our souls, because your children are listening.